0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We're going to get right into the Word of God right now. As we do that, you know, we've been in a new series this month called Tough as Nails. And I'm telling you, in order to experience the fullness of God, you have gotta have a little bit of grit. You gotta have a little bit of something, steel, resolve in your soul. You gotta have the tenacity, the fervor, the perseverance, the ability, the strength in you to keep pressing when all the pressure rises, you gotta rise up against it, Amen? amen? Today's message is called Blessings in Disguise. We're going to get into three different parts of the text. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to begin. A lot of people know Romans 8 28, but here's the Passion Translation. You know, you, you may know it as, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Listen to this. So we are convinced, the Passion Translation. We're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Can you say amen to that so far? For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. I love that. Philippians 1.12 from the message to this. Paul writes, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here, or my quarantine, if you will, has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. One translation says that Paul lists all these things he's been through, and he said, but you know what? It's all worked out for the good of the gospel because more people have been saved. Finally, Genesis 35, just a little portion from verse 5. Joseph had a dream, it says. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat, and all of a sudden... My bundle stood straight up and your bundle circled around it and bowed down to mine. His brother said, so you're gonna rule over us, are you? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart as we're here today to bless those young people and those people going into school this week. Let them be a light and a beacon and a strength to those around them. Come, Holy Spirit, and move through your word to strengthen our resolve. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about a breaking point. We said the Lord often leads us in ways we would never choose to go, like longer roads or places with detours or delays, places where we get to the end of our own ideas and our own strength in order to find true surrender and dependence on the Lord himself. You'll never quit, you'll never experience, excuse me, you'll never experience the fullness of the miracle power of the Holy Spirit until you quit trusting in your own head, your own plans, your own timing, your own abilities, your own agenda. It doesn't work like that. God's not on your timetable. You've got to coordinate your life to His. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, your core. Lean not on your own understanding or stupid brain. That's my translation. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Amen. Justin Franklin tells the story of a young man from a wealthy family preparing for his high school graduation. I know it's back to school Sunday, but somebody's thinking about graduation today. (laughs) And in this family, as he's preparing for high school graduation, in this wealthy family, trying to keep up with the other rich kids, he asked his parents for a very special present for his graduation. He wanted a brand new sports car. So he and his dad actually went shopping for the top brands for weeks, and his dream car was soon picked out, Nearing the big day the father anxiously invited his son into his study and presented him with a beautifully wrapped box with a big red bow and he said son this is what we've decided to give you for your graduation we hope you enjoy it and it'll be a blessing to your life the young man looked puzzled his heart kind of sinking didn't look like a sports car would fit in there. He opened the box to find a beautifully bound, brand new Bible with his name inscribed on it. And he went ballistic. He was upset. Ranting and raving in his parents' gesture. Took one look at that Bible and went into a rage. He stormed out and with a loud and sarcastic voice, he said, Thanks, Dad. <clears throat> Thanks a lot. He ended up moving out, angry and bitter, never speaking a civil word to his father again. Years later, he returned home for his father's funeral, walking around with all this grief and pent up frustration sin. He walked around the study of his father all by himself where the scene had unfolded and he spotted the Bible with his name on it and he picked it up thinking about that day and what if he had made different decisions. Thumbing through that Bible as he relived his anger, now mixed with unresolved grief, suddenly a piece of paper fell out of the Bible, a check for the exact amount of the dream car he'd picked out. And he'd wasted his life being angry because he thought he didn't get the gift he wanted. My friends, everything you want is hidden in the pages of God's Word too. But sometimes the best gifts come in unexpected packages. Blessings from heaven often come in ways we don't appreciate or understand at the time. That's why we have to take God at his word. We have to trust the all things working together for good part, even when it doesn't look like it, even in a time of upheaval, even in a time of pain. Sometimes the best gifts come in unexpected packages. read a great quote, asking God for something is not just about him giving you what you ask. It's about him preparing you to handle what you want. Think about that. Don't good parents help their children grow in responsibility and prove themselves and prove their hearts and their character before they're entrusted with certain things? That's the same way it is with God. We all think we're ready for everything right now. But God knows the real deal. And I can't tell you what it is maybe with your teenagers or maybe you are a teenager, but as a teenager, I'll just tell you, at 17, I clearly thought I knew more than my parents. I clearly thought that my inexperience was no problem because of my zeal. And then life comes and kicks you in the teeth sometimes, doesn't it? And shows you you didn't know as much as you thought you did. Would you, at whatever stage of life you're in, whether you're now a parent or a grandparent, would you humble yourself enough before your God to know and recognize that you don't know as much as you think you know? Our God is a God of process. Some take a few months. Some things take a few years. Some things take years or decades. Abraham's promise of having a child, he, didn't, he and his wife didn't even get the promise till he was 75 and she was 65. They were already living in the villages before they even got their promise of having kids. Not, 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 listen, we love our village people. Macho, macho. Man. Anyway, we love, we love them, okay. But I'm just telling you, That we have to recognize sometimes that they didn't get their promise and then they waited 25 more years for the fulfillment of it. They were already past the stage, but not to God, because He wants to show His glory by doing the impossible when nobody else could possibly take the credit. Our God is a God of process. We want it fast, we want it now, but the Bible says count it all joy when it doesn't go your way. The Lord doesn't need another flash in the pan. He wants longevity. Lifetime testimonies that reveal his faithfulness inside of yours. As I was standing here a few moments ago and praying for people going back to school on our back to school Sunday, I had a flashback because when we started Now, church as spirit life back in 1990, my kids, our kids were 10, excuse me, nine years old and six years old. Our son was nine, our daughter was six. Today, that son and his wife have two girls. One of the girls is almost six. Our daughter, in case you don't know, is pregnant like. Any minute, like she's nine months and she's already got one going into sixth grade this year. The six-year-old has a sixth grader and a first grader who's about to be six and a new baby that's coming forth in about the next week. God hasn't got a process. It's about longevity you can sit here one day in one stage of life and the next moment you're in another phase of life and you don't realize it, it goes back like that. And you think when it's going slow. Remember, I remember being told if I did something bad, I had to get out of the pool as a child. We had this above ground tank pool. And um, if I had to get out, my parents say, you got to get out for 15 minutes. I remember that 15 minutes seemed to take a year when you're a child. But I'm telling you, life is going by fast. How do you live for the God of process? Here it is. And I want to challenge every student, every teacher, every parent, every grandparent, every child. Here's the key to life that a lot of people won't tell you, but the Bible is clear. Serve your way forward. Serve your way forward. Serve your way through school. Serve your way through your career. Serve your way through. First Corinthians 9:19 9, from the message, Paul writes: Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I'm not under anybody's control here. He said, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. My friend, opportunities to serve don't look like gifts, but they are gifts. Opportunities to serve someone, opportunities to give, Jesus said this, he said, if you give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, you will never be forgotten and you'll never lose your reward. Simple acts of service become your way to move forward in your life, even in hard times. Look for someone who's going through something around you because one act of service becomes a breakthrough moment for your life and for your future. I got very frustrated as a young person looking for my career path. I wanted to go into public relations. Most of you, many of you know our testimony. If not, we're gonna share it in a few weeks again but we married at 18, had our first child at 19. And I was a few hours short of my two year degree. And I was looking for an opportunity. And I went to my, my we had a, a person that we knew from our old church who had been a Channel 6 uh, news anchor in Orlando. His name was Dick Weaver. And when he left Channel 6, he became the head of SeaWorld's public relations team, the whole department. And my dad said, hey, why don't you at least go talk to Dick Weaver at SeaWorld and just see how you can get your foot in the door for public relations. And so I went and talked to him. I said, look, I've, you know, um, just married a few, you know, a little while. We've got a, a baby on the way. We've got all these things. I'm I'm I am i do not have my degree yet, but I just I just wanted to talk to you. And he, what he told me didn't make me very happy. He said, first of all, well, you need experience. I thought, well, that's a. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I'm 19 years old and you tell me I need experience. That's why I'm here. How do you get experience? And he said, to get experience, you have to volunteer to serve. I thought, but I'm 19. I'm already working three jobs. I was working three jobs by that point. I worked in the morning... I would get up and go to UPS and do the preload around 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. as a 19-year-old. One of the hardest jobs I've ever had. I felt like I joined the military. <laughs> 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. preload UPS or till whenever I was done. Come home, grab a shower, grab a nap. By 11 a.m. I had to be at the bank. I was a bank teller. And I'd go to work at the bank and work from 11 a.m. until about 6 or 6.30, depending on the day of the week. And then at night I worked at Jordan Marsh, which, was, which became Burdines, which became Macy's. And I, start out, I started out literally in that job, cleaning bathrooms for a year. And then I got promoted to be a sales clerk in men's clothing. So I'd work there two, three nights a week. And here I was asking this guy, and he goes, it, you just need to find a place to volunteer and serve. And I thought, I don't have one bit of energy to lift a finger to serve. I'm working I'm working my butt off. I don't know what else to do. And I left kind of frustrated. But can I tell you something? If I would have listened to him that day and just now eventually I found my calling. <laughs> Thank God. Through another whole series of different things that God did in my life, I found my calling. And guess how I found it? After I gave my life to Jesus and got involved in church, I started volunteering and serving. And the first thing they asked me to do was help clean bathrooms too, and I wanted to be close to the throne, so I served. Strange things often happen on the way to your destiny, unexpected roadblocks and detours that actually, even though it seems contraintuitive, it it, it seems like you can't, it, like like it's not real but it actually keeps you on God's timetable. The strange things that happen on the way to your destiny. Right after announcing Easter of 1983, I told my family on Easter Sunday when we were all together, I felt I found my purpose, that I was called to be a pastor. You don't have to be a pastor to find your purpose, but you do have to find your purpose. And through those acts of service, when I announced it, let me just say this to you. Both heaven and hell broke loose. As soon as I said to my family out loud, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. First of all, I told my wife in privacy, I said, I'm gonna tell the family, I feel called to be a pastor. And she said, you married the wrong girl. Because of our impression of pastor's wives back in the 80s, was not the mold that she felt she fit into. She said, I don't play the piano and I don't sing in the choir. I can't be a pastor's wife. We didn't know she would help to pioneer a generation of pastor's wives who would co-pastor with their husbands, not in the back room, not over there, but beside them. We didn't know that. So that was a tough one. But both heaven and hell broke loose. Let me just give you a quick. I'll just give you a quick synopsis of that. Number one, immediately as I announced that, we went into Christian financial counseling to get our finances uh, straightened out, and we were taught about tithing. The moment we, we started tithing, heaven and hell both broke loose again, because we began to experience financial miracles, but also blockages. It seemed. Second thing happened that month after we told my family, our family that I was called to preach, the doctor told us that we couldn't have any more children. That was April of 1983. And, they, and, and he, we were 22. We just turned 22. And the doctor said, you can't have any more kids and you need to accept this. And gave my wife some medication <clears throat> and we cried a lot of tears, but we accepted the doctor at his word instead of God at his. Third thing that happened that month was I lost my job. It was a tumultuous time. I worked for my father in law, and he and I had a falling out, and it was a very painful loss of job. The next thing happened is a few weeks later, I received a new job that I rejected for six or eight months before. I kept being offered jobs to be an insurance agent. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. Now I was jobless. And I said, what am I going to do? And and this guy came back and he said again from the church, he said, why don't you come take a test and see how your aptitude is toward being an insurance agent? I said, okay, I get it. And I scored like almost perfect score on on the scale of it. And I took that job and it became a huge blessing in my life. It became my seminary. Because the doors of seminary didn't open, which was another weird thing that happened. I accepted my the insurance agency, and in the first week of June I went to school in Jacksonville for independent life, a big company out of Jacksonville at the time, and became an insurance agent. When I got home, I said to my wife, she said, Did you pass your final test? I said, Yes. And she said, I passed the test too. We're pregnant. And I said, I thought the doctors said we couldn't. She said he was an idiot. She said I was already pregnant and he didn't test me and I didn't know. And had I taken the medication he gave me, we would not be having this child. Somebody from church intervened from the Women's Pregnancy Center. And helped, knew about the medication, said to my wife, Well, did he test you for being pregnant? She said, No. He said, Don't take that medication. And here we are pregnant. And now I'm in a panic because I just started a new job. Do I have health care yet? Or do I have to wait three months? This is a pre existing condition. <laughs> and I went and told my boss the next week, my second week on the job, he says, You're fully covered from the day you came on. Everything's taken care of. It was like a roller coaster, And my wife was pregnant with our beautiful daughter, who's now pregnant with her beautiful daughter that we're gonna meet soon. I'm excited to meet her. A few days after that, Dr. Jimmy Young, my pastor, asked me to speak publicly at church on Father's Day in June of 83 as a young father. I'd never spoken before a group of people before in my life. My knees were shaking. I had stage fright. And I got up and did the best I could. Within a few weeks, I was elected a deacon at church. You had to be elected to be a deacon. And seminary didn't open up. It was such a strange thing. Within a few weeks, all, once I announced, I, hey, this, I see my calling. Bam. God was moving and the enemy was attacking It reminded me of Joseph. Joseph's dream had a pathway. Through a pit, sold as a slave, falsely accused of a sex crime he didn't commit, sent to prison. For years, he felt forgotten. Then suddenly, it was promotion time. Prime minister of Egypt, wisdom to lead. And then, through a series of circumstances, his brother's, who sold him out and stabbed him in the back, tried to kill him, ended up selling him for a profit. They come back into seeing him these years later. And as he provides them with food, the Bible says that Joseph is about to reveal himself to his brothers, that it's him. He's now got a beard. He's grown up. He's an older man in his 30s. And the Bible says that he cried so loud when he asked the servants of Egypt to leave. Just just he and his brothers. He cried so loud, the Bible says, that all of the servants in the palace of Pharaoh heard him wailing. And he's crying. You might think he's crying with vengeance on his mind, or let me tell these guys who I am so I can see their heads roll. Not Joseph. What he learned through that pit, what he learned as a prisoner, as a slave, as a falsely accused criminal, was that God was still in control. Genesis 45 verse 4 and 5 says this, Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. In the middle of all of that, Joseph saw God's heart and God's purpose. Receiving good gifts, sometimes they don't look like. You think being thrown into a pit by your brothers looked like a present? You think it felt good when he was standing naked on a slave block being sold into slavery? Think that looked like a gift from heaven? being accused by his boss's wife of the one thing he would not compromise on. The one thing that his boss said, don't touch my wife. You got everything else because God is with you. And then that woman turned on him, grabbed his coat, used it as false evidence and accused him of rape. Think that looked like a present? But at the end of the story, when Joseph sees the purpose of God and the positioning of God, He says, brothers, what you meant for harm, God gave me as a gift because he turned it every time and he'll never fail. Sometimes the best gifts come packaged in ways that don't seem to look like they're what you wanted. Something didn't look to Joseph like the dreams that he had about his brother's Bowing down to him, his brothers honoring him. Salvation doesn't always look like a great package. Giving your heart to Jesus. Some folks hear about giving their lives to the Lord, and all they can see is all the things they think they'll have to give up. And I'm here to tell you that's the wrong perspective. Because anything God requires you to give up, He'll give you the grace to give up after you're saved. You don't have to clean up your life to surrender your heart. God does the cleaning. You have to do the responding. You have to respond at every step with yes, okay. Jesus said the opposite is true. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will actually find it all over this place, in this room, the other side of the building in the overflow, or whether you're in your home or watching from your car. Please don't watch from your car while you're driving. You're gonna need more than prayer. But I wanna invite you right now to know Jesus because somebody as sure as I'm standing here. Somebody's been wrestling with God because you've been counting the cost so much with what you feel you're going to have to do and what you feel you're going to have to give up before you actually give your heart to Jesus. It doesn't work like that. The surrender comes first, then the grace to walk this thing out over a lifetime. God uses flawed people to glorify his perfect son Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself that great gift. Come, Holy Spirit, and move with conviction the hearts of people today. Reveal the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look up here. If I gave you a gift and said this gift would be a key to your eternity, but not just a key to your eternity, a key to your purpose, a key to your redemptive purpose, a key to why God created you on this earth anyway. Why are you on this earth? Why are you alive right now? What's the whole deal about? If I told you it was in this box, you would actually have to receive the box and open it up. Say thank you and accept it. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching and you've never actually opened your heart. Can I tell you something? Coming to church is great. Watching church online is great. But it doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than hanging out at Popeyes makes you a chicken. It doesn't. What determines your faith and response and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is your response to the gift. Don't be like that young man who presumed that because he got a Bible instead of a car, that he missed out. Just say yes. Just open your heart and receive. Doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It just has to be a real one to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you now. I receive your gift and I say thank you for it. I don't understand what's in the box, but I want it. If you do that right now, you can experience the greatest step, the greatest shift in your life. Because this gift doesn't come because your parents have the gift or your brothers and sisters have the gift. This is personal. This is between you and your heavenly father. Receive that gift. Finally, the Bible says every good and perfect gift. The Amplified says every good and perfect gift in James 1, 17, a free, large, full gift is from above. Every good gift is from God. Every sunrise, every sunset, no artist could ever paint as beautiful a picture as some sunsets. Every good gift is from above. But the greatest gift Jesus gives us is the fullness of his Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 2.38, when Peter preached the message to the people that were watching on the day of Pentecost, after they had experienced the Holy Spirit for themselves, Peter said to them, repent, repent, That means change direction, change your mind, say yes. Okay, I'm willing to change. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's so much more that God wants to do in this life through you. As I said in the beginning, more power is available now than you've ever tasted before in your life. My wife and I had been taught so many traditions of men, limiting the Holy Spirit until he led us on a journey. Three years after my acceptance of my calling, our calling, we were led on a journey through the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, the Bible says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. Take up service, they'll engage the enemy in battle. And they shall lay their hands upon sick people and the sick shall recover. Doesn't say famous healing evangelists. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. My friends, there's healing power in your hands. There's healing power in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. John fourteen twelve. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater things than these will you do in my name because I go to be with the Father. I will send you another helper. I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and you'll do greater works. When my wife and I read those scriptures in 1986, we were like blown away. How could we do greater things than Jesus? Because of him working through us. We need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. My wife has a saying about presents. It's all in the presentation. It's all in the way you give the gift. She wants it always to be in nice baskets or nice. I mean, I, I, I think the greatest invention of all of mankind for men is the gift bag. Personally, I like the gift bag. Easy, no must, no fuss. My wife says it's all about the presentation. Sometimes we misunderstand the presentation of the Holy Spirit After Jesus taught on the Lord's Prayer, in Luke chapter 11, he clarifies, and he says this, your heavenly Father will not allow you to receive a counterfeit when you're asking for the genuine. Right after he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He finishes with Luke chapter 11, verse 10, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil or being of a human nature, flawed, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My friends, the moment you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. But the word of God says very clear that, that Jesus will baptize you with his spirit and fire. He will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. When you reach that place of surrender, when you reach that place of such humility that you want everything God has, my wife and I were so nervous about it. the whole thing was speaking in tongues that we kept saying, God, we want everything you have, just not that or that or that. We were uncomfortable with the presentation of the way other Christians had carried this great gift. But when we looked into the Word of God for ourselves and went on a Bible study journey, just the two of us, for a few months, we could come to no other conclusion but this, that it is essential that when you open the gift of salvation, that you also get the power source, that you also get the batteries, that you also get all the power you need to fulfill what salvation is supposed to do in this life. Salvation is not just about going to heaven when you die. It's about experiencing heaven on earth even when heaven is fighting against it. God wants to fill you today. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, if you don't know what it is, you haven't got it. But God wants to fill you because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The anointing, the tangible presence and power of the Holy Spirit is real. As real today as it was 2,000 years ago. My concern in this modern Christian era and one of the reasons why we need revival is we be, almost become more concerned with not receiving the false or things we're unfamiliar with even though they're biblically sound and proven than with actually pursuing and experiencing the fullness of the truth and the reality of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. What's our takeaway? It's time to open up every gift that God has for you. Quit looking at the packaging. Quit looking at what you think you need. You need healing? It's in the gift. You need financial blessing? Quit looking for financial blessing. It's in the the book. It's in the word. It's in the promise. It's in the gift. Let's not focus so much on the gift that we miss adoring the giver of the gift because it's not me and it's not you. God wants to fill you. Would you close your eyes and bow your head one more time, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this message? Lord Jesus. Would you let the scriptures come alive for everyone who's hungry and thirsty, for everyone who's even a little bit curious right now, would you begin to whet their appetite to experience the fullness of your presence and power? We need a fresh anointing, the power and presence of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I need a ghost, a Holy Ghost, awaken in my soul. We need more of you so there's less of us. More of you so there's less of flesh and humanity. Holy Spirit, thank you for your blessings in disguise. If you're here today, all I want to do is lay my hands on you. It's a real conundrum in this time of social distancing. But there's no distance in the Holy Spirit. And the great thing is right in this room or right in the overflow or right in your home, if you'll open your heart right now, if you're saved, if you know Jesus, that's the only prerequisite to receiving Jesus the gift of the Holy Spirit, this infilling, this outpouring. Maybe you've experienced that before in the past, but you haven't activated your heavenly gifts. The Bible says there was a group of people in the book of Acts that Paul found that had been, the Bible describes them as believers. But when he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed, he said, they said, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, yes, then where were you baptized? They said, in the name of John the Baptist, baptism, the baptism of repentance. He said, no, you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, immersed in him. And the Bible says that when they received, there was evidence, everybody say evidence. That's one of the greatest things that's clearly consistent in the scripture. When somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit, there's evidence, baby. There's evidence. There's evidence. In that group, the Bible says, they spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. That doesn't mean they told others somebody else's future. Prophecy means to say what God says with power. To say what God is saying with power. Father, fill us fresh. Would you just lift your hands right now? Come here. Come Just open your heart. I want everything you have, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I want everything you have for us. Don't let one person miss on the fullness of your healing power. Baptize you are Release that heavenly language. Stir up the gifts of God that are within you. Be filled today. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be immersed in His power. Be filled. In Jesus' name, be filled. Be filled. filled be filled in Jesus name now put your hand on your heart right now put your hand in your heart and say I want everything God has for me in this life and in eternity to come fill me now Lord from the inside out with your power I want to pray and praise you like never before in Jesus name amen God's moving in this place let him touch you let him fill you fresh Pastor Chris is around other leaders around if you want to talk about this if you want to know more about the baptism in the holy spirit some scriptures Let us know, email us, because we're here for you. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.